Good morning, family. Um, our vision is to be a family of followers of Jesus who help others follow Jesus. And what that means, too, is no matter where you're at in your journey with Jesus, we're glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. None of us have it figured out, but together we're seeking to learn to more orient our lives around this amazing person, Jesus Christ. Um, so this morning, I'm excited to gather together as we continue to prepare our hearts for Christmas, and it, we're in this series that we're calling Attitudes of Christmas. I'm Ryan. I'm one of the servant leaders here, and this morning we're going to look at the attitude of joy. Okay, not happiness. Happiness is based on circumstances, but joy based on Jesus in the midst of any and every circumstance. This past Thanksgiving uh, was probably my favorite Thanksgiving that I can remember. Maybe I could say best ever, hashtag best ever, right? Uh, it was just great. My, my in-laws came into town. My brother-in-law came up from uh, Milwaukee area, Bayview area, and we didn't turn the TV on until like 6. Like no football until 6. It was great. We just hung out. We talked with each other. We um, share, had a powerful kind of sharing time where we shared things we were thankful for that we could see. So like material blessings and things that we were thankful for that we couldn't see, like spiritual blessings. And it was just a great time. Played games afterwards. Um, best Thanksgiving I can remember. The day after, we went to the new Fantastic Beasts movie. I don't know if anyone's seen that or you know what that is. We went to that new movie, and um, I'll just say there was a point where um, I was starting to do this a little bit. I'd like to blame it on the fact that I had just eaten turkey, but it seems to regularly happen these days when I watch, try and watch movies with my family. So there's this point I watch the movie, I'm starting to do that, and all of a sudden it's like blast, and it's like, <gasps> and you wake up and you're like, okay, I'm back. But it was just a great visit all around with my in-laws, with my brother-in-law, um, great visit, and that was a planned visit. We also had a great kind of unplanned visit the night before. We were walking around, taking a walk, me and my wife, and I saw one of my buddies uh, in his garage, and he's like, hey, and I'm like, hey, and little do you know, an hour and a half later, we're heading back to our home because they invited us in. They invited us for an impromptu visit. We just sat and talked and hung out and enjoyed each other's company. Two visits. Both were great. One planned, one unplanned. And I wonder, we can all relate, right? When we, when we think about visits or when we think about family coming into town, us going out of town, whatever it might be, planned or spontaneous visits, we can all relate to the fact that we look forward to them, and in a way, they buoy our souls. They, they, they excite us and keep us going because life can be a grind. Day after day, week after week, month after month, it kind of just feels like we're plodding along, but it's these special visits that kind of like we're like, all right, I'm looking forward to that. And I wonder, as we head towards Christmas Day, I wonder rather than all the lights and all the pressure on getting the perfect gift and having the perfect meal and having the perfect picture. It was so funny. I got to just stop. We were looking back through our pictures that we sent out to people. And uh, there was one when my son was like two and he's just got like snot running down his nose. And this is one we sent out to everyone because I was so sick of trying to get the perfect picture. Anyways, I just thought that was funny. My wife still doesn't like that. So getting the perfect picture, all the pressure that comes with the season and with the holidays, right? I wonder if really what it's all about is God's visit to us. And I wonder if that is the case. What relevance does God's visit over 2,000 years ago to earth have for us today? Well, that's what we're going to look at. So I'd invite you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We've got the page number up. Uh, behind us. If you want to use one of the Bibles under the chairs, we've got the page number right there. You can turn to it with me. If you want to use your app, 
go ahead and find Luke chapter 2 as we look at God's visit to us. Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 26. Chapter 2, verse 26. Excuse me. Chapter 1, thank you, Scott. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. 126. And so to set a little bit of the context for the story that we're going to read this morning, it had been 400 years since God visited his people. Think about that. It had been 400 years since God like tangibly visited his people. That would be like 13 generations. So that would be me and my son and his 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 son. son. I mean, that's a lot of generations of people, right? 400 years of silence, no prophets, no kings. They're subject to foreign rule, foreign customs. Kids, imagine your whole life without a birthday card, without a happy birthday, without a phone call or text in the mail. 400 years of silence. See, and then kind of the opposite is going to happen here. Verse 26. Verse 26. We're going to read 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. You'll be with child, you'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob his king forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left here. So, right, 400 years of silence, and then all of a sudden, boom. I mean, I don't think if I asked us to raise our hands that anyone would say we've had an experience quite like this, right? It's not, and it was not, commonplace. That's what happens here. Gabriel, who's an angel, appears to Mary, and in this time, she's probably no older than 14 years age. So if you're here this morning, you're about that age, Mary's probably not older than 14, and he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. And he says, God is with you. When he tells her she's highly favored, this, this is, comes from the same word that we in the English language get the word grace. And the concept of grace is that we can't do anything to deserve it. This is important. God didn't come to Mary because she was a devout Jewish young lady who kept the laws really well and worked really hard and was God-fearing. Maybe that was the case, but that's not why God came and graced her and showed his kindness to her. He did it because it pleased him. He did it because it delighted him. This is important because the same holds true for us. See, a lot of times I think when we think about following God and and, and seeking to know Jesus and whatever that looks like, we think that if we just do more, that God would just visit us, grace us, find 
That's not the way it works. This is an important point that Mary didn't earn this visit and nor do we. And Mary, at first, I don't know if she understands what's going on here. We were watching a video that covered kind of this. It was Luke chapters 1 and 2. And I had a family member who said, wait, wait, wait a minute. The video forgot to say, Mary, don't be afraid. And they were like, that's the first thing you talk about in angel school. Because angels, when they appear, people are usually afraid. Why? This wasn't common. This wasn't ordinary. And sometimes it wasn't positive. But the the angel is like, hey, Mary, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. You've been shown grace by God. And if it isn't naturally speaking strange enough to this point, then it gets a little bit more twilight zone. Look at this. Look at what it says. Um, You will be with child. You will be with child. And Mary might be like, um, angel, I'm pledged to be married to Joseph. This is true. But like we've never been together to this point. And the angel continues, and you're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus. And Mary's head has got to be swimming right here. So I'm having a child without being with my husband, but now I'm supposed to name him Jesus. And I know that like in Aramaic, that's Yeshua. In Hebrew, that's like what we would know, Joshua, and it means God saves. And she's like, okay, so I'm a virgin, I'm going to be with child, and the child that I birth is going to be named Jesus, which means God saves, but Gabriel's not even done yet. Remember, she's 14. This might be a lot of information to process, right? And then he says, he will be great, this son. He will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he'll rule over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never yet. This angel is talking about this child to be born as if he's like the long-promised Savior. The long-promised, what they would know as Messiah. The one who would come and who would right all wrongs, who would fix what was wrong, who would politically free them from being under foreign rule, who would take care of their enemies. She might have been thinking all about that, or she might have been thinking as a teenager and still stuck on, how can this be since I'm a virgin? Right? We don't know. It's pretty logical to me. But she's like, um, Mary's like, when mom and dad talked to me about birds and the bees, this wasn't in there. This wasn't a part of that, right? they, They must have missed something. But the angel tells her in essence, Mary, God is going to physically but supernaturally, I think it says overshadow you, right, in the text. And he's going to allow you to conceive Jesus, Messiah, Savior, God, inside of you. Oh, yeah, and by the way, your cousin Elizabeth, who wasn't able to have kids and is way past the age that she could have kids, she's already six months along. Right? And if you were an angel at this point, you'd, like, do the mic drop, but it would float because all angels have cupids, arrows, and clouds and whatever, right? That's what we have. Anyways, but she's got to be thinking... What is going on here? And we might be thinking, why Mary? Why Mary? So God can show his favor and that nothing is impossible with him. That's what it says. And I get it. that if, When we're reading this, this is not rational. Right? Thomas Edison, former president, he cut out all stories like this from the Bible because he's like, that's not verifiable and provable. It doesn't make sense. 
Wasn't he a president? That's what I meant. So we're in Luke chapter 2, but it's really chapter 1. And it's Thomas Edison, but it's really Thomas Jefferson. Keep helping me along. I'm struggling this morning, okay? Thank you for that. So getting back, though, he's like, this is not verifiable. This is not rational. We can't prove this. And God's like, I know. But the point is my power goes beyond even reason. Not that reason is bad, but my power and my person goes beyond what we can conceive or grasp. And all we know is what Mary replies. We don't know exactly what she's thinking. We, we can kind of assume, but she says, I'm your servant, God. Do what you'll do. And just like that, Gabriel's gone. Just like this, this supernatural visit from God to Mary is over. And we, that was the first visit in our passage. Let's look at the second one. Now Mary is going to go visit her cousin, verses 39 to 45. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And I want to read verse 41 together. And when I stop, you keep reading. Verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was... So Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit just by hearing Mary's voice. In response to Mary's question to Gabriel, how can I give birth to Jesus since I'm a virgin? That's the other time we read about the Holy Spirit. God visits Mary through an angel. But here's what I want you to see. God visits Elizabeth through Mary. Supernatural, like things that we don't typically experience, visit to Mary. And then, in a sense, natural, person to person. God visits Elizabeth. And Mary says that Elizabeth, as a result, was filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that's talked about in Acts chapter 2 at the, what's called Pentecost, where people are gathered around and the Holy Spirit fills them and they're speaking in other languages about how amazing God was. It's describing this occurrence where God fills and empowers his people to know him and to help others know him. And here's why this is so important to catch. God's presence amongst God, uh, God's people changes throughout the scriptures. If you remember, if you put up that first slide for me, Monica, if you think all the way back to um, Charlton Heston or even Moses, okay? That was a joke. You guys didn't laugh. Think back to Moses, right? Think back to when Moses delivered the people, freed the people from Egypt. What would happen is by day, they were led by God's presence by a cloud. At night, they were led by God's presence by fire. And then you fast forward to the next image. After that, God's presence kind of dwelt in this set up and take down. See, we're not the first ones to do set up and take down. This set up and take down tent called the tabernacle is what housed this nomadic group of people making its way to the land that God had promised. After that, if you knew the next slide, please. 
God's presence was housed in a more permanent dwelling called the temple. And then if you would go past that, next slide, God's presence would empower certain people for certain roles. There was kings to lead the nation. There were prophets who God would speak to and they would tell the people what God had said. And then there were judges who would come and have this miraculous strength and deliver the Israelites from their enemies. And then all of that, and we get to kind of the start of our story, 400 years and none of that. Pitch black. Silence. God, where are you? And then all of a sudden, boom. Gabriel. (laughs) Kind of the opposite of silence. Right? Something we probably haven't experienced. And then Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And and, and before we get to applying all of this, we're going to apply this, but I want to look at the result of these visits from God. God's visit to Mary. Mary's visit to Elizabeth. I want to look at the results of this. So let's go ahead and read verses 46 to 56. 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm, scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. Go back to verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit, what's it say next? Rejoices in God, my Savior. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And if we go up to verse 42, In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Verse 44. And here's my assertion. That when God visits us, that the meaning of Christmas and his visit of Jesus taking on flesh and visiting us, becoming human, when God subsequently visits us, whether it be in ways that we don't often experience or just through his people, the result is joy. The result is joy. And notice this happens two ways. We've talked about this. There's, there's ways where God visits us outside of his people. Okay, What that means is it doesn't take another person. But then there's ways where God visits us through his people. And I'm going to describe what each of those look like. One seems more like supernatural. One is just every day that he does that. I think both happen. God visits us through just himself. God visits us in our hearts and our spirits through other people. And so I wonder if rather than everything that the season can become about, the glitz and the glamour and the perfect gift and the pressure and all these different things that are, that are fine and good but seem to overtake our minds and our hearts and our souls, I wonder if rather than trying to provide the magic of Christmas, if what God's desire through Christmas is, is to visit us through his Holy Spirit and point us to his son. 
so that we could experience joy. So that we could experience joy. I want to share with you a way that um, within the past probably month that I feel like God has graciously been visiting me. And when I say visit, it's not like, I'll explain it. But like, when I say that, I mean when he's put something on my heart, when he's brought something to light, so to speak. There was an incident maybe three, four weeks ago where I got angry with a family member. And I felt bad about it. Um, and, but God was gracious to me in the midst of that. Because I think through that, he began to show me something that I had been wondering about for a while. I had known for a long time that if I'm in a situation where there's a lot of noise for a lot of time, it it does something to me in my brain physiologically that I just can't handle. Like, I can't handle it. And what it does is it, it starts to make me angry, and I can't explain it other than it starts to rile me up. It, it just, I can't process it, right? And so in times in the past, I would get angry at my kids or whatever, and they're not doing anything wrong. They're just being kids who are loud, but my brain can't handle it. Another thing that I have trouble with is space. So if I'm in a chair and Richard comes up behind me just like this, I don't know how many people like that, but I really don't like that, right? So it was through that and, and through other things that I began to explore whether my brain can't handle things the way other people's can. There's something called highly sensitive people, which is just that, that certain stimuli that other people have kind of water off their back. Uh, other people can't handle, and it really affects them. Or, you know, I don't know if it's high-functioning on the spectrum or something like that for me, but I began to explore that because I was like, what's going on? There's something more than meets the eye, I feel like. And so realizing this brought, or exploring this, brought a whole bunch of emotions, right? The first emotion was shame, knowing that because of this weakness that I've gotten angry with my family and I've said things I've regretted or I've acted in nonverbal and tones and ways that I wish I wouldn't. And so I felt deeply ashamed. Um, there was embarrassment, saying, man, I hope no one ever finds out. Um, but you know what happened in the midst of all of that? God visited me. God graciously visited me. And you know what he did? <laughs> he, he began to affirm his deep love for me the way I am in the midst of weakness or limits, in the midst of brokenness, he reminded me that I ident- my identity is as a dearly loved son of God. And it's not as if I heard this audibly, but I felt it just as real. But then as if that wasn't enough, God was like, I, I, Ryan, I want you to share this with others. And I was thinking, why don't you visit someone else? Right? Because who does that? Who wants to do that? No, I, needed, I, I knew I needed to do this, so over the past couple of weeks, I began to sharing with other servant leaders at Kettlebrook. And let me tell you, when I did it, even this morning as I woke up, there's a knot in my heart because I'm like, I don't want to do that. Why? Well, what will people think? Maybe they'll think I'm odd. Maybe they'll look at me different. I'm not trustworthy, whatever. But as I shared with them, you know what happened? God's Spirit visited me again in a powerful way where they affirmed who I was in Jesus, where they affirmed who God had made me to be, where they affirmed their love for me in the midst of my questioning. And the result was what I don't often experience was a bunch of tears. I don't cry a lot, but that time I did because it was so rich 
God's visit to me through God's people to point me back to him and to affirm him. And family, you can play that now at this point, that clip. I don't know, as you sit here this morning, where you need God to visit you. I don't know where your heart is stirring or, or not at rest or where you don't have peace and where you don't have joy. It's probably different than where I need God to visit me, but what I do know, 100% certain, no matter who's in this room, we all need God to visit us. We all need God to visit us. Maybe some of us this morning sit here and we need to be visited in the midst of addiction. Maybe we're addicted to looking at images that don't honor God, that don't honor our wives, that don't honor women. And yet we feel trapped. Maybe we're, maybe we're kind of callous to it. We don't see it as wrong. Maybe we do, but we don't know what to do about it. And so we hide in shame and we don't tell anybody. Maybe we're here this morning and some of us, maybe there's an addiction of alcohol. It goes beyond a drink or two. And for whatever reason, to hide the pain, because of how we feel about ourselves, we we drink but without limit. And we don't know how to stop and we don't know how to control it. And so again, we hide in shame and embarrassment. Maybe some of us need to be visited in our marriages where we have this incessant need to be right and to win and to make the other wrong. To win the battle, so to speak, but to lose the war. And because of that, we're either just, it is the way it is, we've settled for it, or we're just continual friction, where it feels like it's miserable. Maybe some of us need to be visited where we feel like we experience a repeated cycle in our parenting where it's, it's yelling and it's anger and it's producing shame and it's just, we don't know how to get our kids to do what we want them to do, but we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over without feeling like we we know a way out or know a way different. Maybe some of us need to be visited in that we've made our identity something other than a beloved son of God, a beloved daughter of God. We are what we do. It's where our vocation has, in essence, too much captured our heart and too much captured our identity. Maybe it's we are what we have and were you to take those things away from us, we wouldn't be us without our stuff. Maybe some of us need to be visited in our lack of passion, our lack of purpose. We're grinding away at life, but we feel like almost we've become numb to God's visiting us, encouraging us in things, challenging us in things, convicting us in things. We're just going about our day. Maybe some of us need to be visited in the midst of loss. The loss of a loved one. The loss of a relationship that we hold dear. The loss of maybe even physical health. 
And I don't know about this, but, but I wonder. I wonder if the reason that we don't experience God visiting us more than we do has to do with a couple things. Time. We don't make time for him. Time like this is a great start, but time on our own, time in the scriptures, time in prayer, time with other people who are seeking to follow Jesus. I know for me, it, it took it's taking some training to learn how to listen to God. Just quiet my heart, quiet my mind in the busyness of another text message, another email, another show, another whatever. But I wonder too if for us it's a matter of trust. Could it be the reason that, that I'm not or that we're not visited by God more often in His Spirit is because we don't allow ourselves to be weak. See, our society, we're, we're addicted to being strong and successful and striving and having it all together to the point where we wear these fake masks externally that nothing's going on. We're good. Why? Because if we're authentic and because if we're vulnerable, society sees that as weak. And if there's anything we hate in our society, it's being weak. We're strong. The problem with that, though, is it's the opposite of Jesus. Christmas is all about strength through weakness. God himself taking on flesh, coming to earth, riding in on a donkey, willingly staying on the cross. See, God knew that strength or victory could only come through weakness or death. And as long as we're strong in and of ourselves, why do we need God? Why do we need His power? There's a book, The Way of the Dragon, The Way of the Lamb, that states it this way. If you could put that quote up, please, Monica. Do you have that? Human flourishing is not about self-actualization, but about discovering our life in Christ. Flourishing entails discovering our insufficiency and coming to rest in the sufficiency of His grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 8, 9. His grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. For when I am weak in me, I'm strong in Him family, when we embrace that, when we don't have to pretend, we can acknowledge our weaknesses and our need for God. The result is God visits us and we experience true and great joy. See, we all need to be visited by God. The question is, will we let him? Will we let him? When I went over to my friends and visited them spontaneously at the end of the night, they could have said, nope, not a good time, don't come in. But they didn't. They invited me in. This Christmas season, whatever's stirring in our heart, whatever we're wrestling with, wherever there's not peace, wherever there's not joy, wherever there's not love, Will we invite God into that so that he can visit our hearts through his spirit, pointing us to his son, Jesus Christ? Here's what I want to do. I want to just take a minute. I'm going to have everyone close their eyes, and I'm going to lead us kind of through a guided prayer. 
if you could just close your eyes, please. Father, we thank you that you say your power is made perfect in our weakness. We thank you that we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to be perfect people because your son Jesus is the only one who ever was or will be perfect. We don't have to be strong because you're strong on our behalf. We can have courage and we can be brave and we can invite you into the very depths of our heart and soul where we know we need you, where we know we need you to change us, where we know you can, where you can breathe hope, where you can breathe life, where you can breathe purpose and passion and love. And so, Father, I pray for myself and for all of us that you would show us this morning where is that? That you would put your finger right on it lovingly. Not in a punitive way, but in a loving way. Because God, if we're willing to go there, there's great freedom with the result being great joy. So to reveal that to our family this morning. of whatever you're revealing to people in their hearts that you would remind them of your great love that we love because you first loved us you tell us Father remind them of their honored places, your sons and your daughters through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. And now, Father, as we close this time, I pray too, show us this Christmas season, not just where you can visit us, but Father, show us where we can visit someone else, where we can love them well, where we can listen to their heart where we can meet a need with a meal or a kind word or a visit ourselves. Show us a co-worker, a neighbor, a spouse, a child, a friend or a family member who you can use us like you used Mary to visit them through the Holy Spirit to point them to the amazing nature of your son Jesus Christ Father show us who that is 
Father, show us what we can do. Father, as we invite the music worship team back up, we pray that this Christmas season, that you would continue to remind us of your visit to us through Christ Jesus, of your permanent visit to us through the Holy Spirit, who, if we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ, lives inside of us, He's pointing us back to him, his great love, his great plans, his great purposes. so that we can do the same with others. Father, might you visit us this season with the result in our hearts being great joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name.